0: You're listening to The TheoEd Podcast. In our Brief Talks episodes, you can hear the talks from all of our live events, plus additional talks only available virtually. On today's Brief Talks episode, we welcome Dr. Miroslav Wolf, Henry B. Wright Professor of Systematic Theology at Yale University and founding director of Yale's Center for Faith and Culture. His talk is entitled, Why Did God Create the World? And Why You Need to Know?
1: So why did God create the world? That's one of the most important big questions that we almost never ask. And maybe we have a good reason for that. The question is too big, maybe. Maybe it's even impossible to answer. How would we know what God had in mind when God was creating the world? And even if we could answer this question, maybe the question itself is not particularly important. Maybe it's a little bit like this heavy philosophical question, which is, why is there something rather than nothing? That's interesting for theological and philosophical geeks, but for the rest of us, not particularly exciting. Better maybe spend time attending to more urgent, more consequential issues, like helping improve lives of 2.6 billion people who live under $2 a day. Now, I'll return back to these 2.6 billion people, poor people, every single one, of them, child of God, and I'll try, try to show how knowing how to answer the story, why God, the question, why God created the world, is important for them too. But first, let me ask you a question, a personal question: Why do you exist? I'm not asking you to explain how it came for you to have been born. We all know biology involved in the issue. I'm asking for the purpose of your lives. Christians, along with many, other, along with other theists, believe that the purpose of our lives is not something we choose as we see fit, way I might choose an, uh, uh, an outfit when I go to a party. The purpose of our lives is woven into the very fabric of our being by the fact that God created us. And that takes me back to my original question. Why did God create the world, you and me included? Purpose of our lives is woven into the fabric also of the creation. We flourish and we languish, depending on whether we live in sync or against the grain of reality. So why God created the world is the question also about the right way to live in the world that God has created. It's about the purpose of your and my life and our vocation. So why did God create the world? Two books of the Bible, Genesis and Gospel of John, begin with the words, in the beginning. And then they go and tell you that God created the world. But neither of of them tells you immediately why God did that. Though, if you continue to read, pretty soon you come to realize that both of them emphasize one purpose for God creating the world. God created the world so that it may be home of God and humans together. Let me tell you, how each of these books um, articulates that. The story of Genesis um, ends, and the arc of that story of Genesis ends with the end of the book of Exodus. God creates the world, God creates the world good. Human beings sally the creation, creation's goodness. God calls Abraham, God delivers children of Israel from Egypt. And all of that with a single purpose. So that I may be their God and there may be my people, says the Lord. And finally, when the Lord appears in the tabernacle in in glory, uh, God has come to dwell with the people of Israel and lead them into the promised land. God's coming to dwell in Israel. People... And the land is the capstone of creation. Now, when you take Gospel of John, Jesus' words at the very end of his ministry, just before he was going to be arrested, condemned, and crucified, give us a clue as to why God created the world. In the beginning, Gospel of John said, God created all things. God reveals himself to Israel, God came and dwelled in the, and Jesus Christ, became flesh. God barebore human sin and conquered evil, all that for one purpose. So that the love with which the Father Love the Son before the foundation of the world may be in Jesus' disciples. Indeed, so that the Father and the Son may come and dwell in them and with them. Purpose of God's creating the world is to come to dwell in the world. Now, if you see these two stories being told by Genesis and Exodus, and you read the story of the Garden of Eden, and of the New Jerusalem at the end of the Bible, you come to see that they too are about home. Why did God God create first a human pair and put them in the garden? So that they would make the garden flourish as their home. And why did God show up when the evening breezes came to walk in the garden, because the garden wasn't just their home, the garden was also the home of God. And finally, at the end, John of Patmos sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven onto the renewed earth. Now, so that he doesn't miss what's right there in front of his eyes, a loud voice from God's throne says, behold, the home of God among mortals. He will be with them and they will be God's people. God and all the peoples of the earth having the home together, that's the end of the book of Revelation. So why God created the world is not a difficult question to answer at all. God has given that answer And the answer is that the God, the creator, is a homemaker God. Now, let's return back to these 2.6 billion people, impoverished people, most of them homeless, many of them homeless, and most of them living in conditions that we would not even describe as home. I want to take this idea of poverty and analyze through that and another three uh, three, um, dimensions of home-destroying forces in the world today. Let's start then first with economics of home. Imagine a home. Mother and the child earn two dollars, have two dollars a day at their disposal. Next sibling has 40, sibling after that has 400, and the father has $4,000 at his sole disposal. Now imagine the meal that they have together. Two of them at one end of the table, threadbare clothes, two half-full bowls of rice and the pitcher of polluted water. On the other end of the table, a feast, culinary specialties, an exquisite fine, and people dressed in their finest. If that happened in your neighbor's home, what would you think? You'd be scandalized. Now, as the story that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus attests. God is scandalized about it as well. And yet you and I live in just such a home, our planetary home. Now, let's look at the politics of home. Politics often follows economics. This group on one end of the table would cast longing looks toward the other end of the table. And how would you blame them for doing that? And those who were feasting, if they dignified folks on the other end of the table with their attention, they would do so to underscore their own superiority and keep that other group at bay, for the proximity of the tribe of Lazarus could endanger their superior status and the benefits of their privilege. Pretty soon, a wall would go up, security apparatus would be established, and Lazarus Lazarus, would have his own little makeshift abode and his soul might be filled of resentment and quiet anger. Rich men too, would build his castle, a manifestation of his wealth, but at the same time also of his fear. And yet both of them would be homeless, though each in a very different way, the rich man imprisoned behind the gilded gates of his luxury and fake superiority, and Lazarus mired in languishing and precarity. Wealth and power, are the two great enemies in God's homemaking project. Maybe I should put it this way. Not wealth and poverty as such, but our investments, our love of wealth, and our love and misuse of power are home destroying forces. Without some wealth and some power, we couldn't have home. Indeed, without some wealth and some power, we couldn't even exist. And yet, when these acquire monstrous feature of what the Bible calls mammon and Leviathan, they become home-destroying and subvert our languishing and our belonging. Now, mammon and Leviathan, are ancient uh, enemies of home. It's also important for us to be on lookout of more modern versions or more modern homes, uh, um, home-destroying uh, forces. I'll mention only two. And they also have kind of modern-sounding names. Reification and Escalation. But don't be fooled. Their force, their presence is everywhere around, and they too, like Leviathan and Mammon, are monsters. Let's look first at reification. Reification, you can call it in its modern term or, or, or colloquial uh, term, you can use for it thingification. All things. All God's creatures become things and mere things, liveless things. We have that tendency in most of the processes in modern society. Science is a very good example. It looks at things, living things also, from the perspective of their being things, of their being part of the network of mathematically calculable relations. Modern technology does the same thing. You know, people say for a person with a hammer, uh, everything looks like a nail. For a person with a tool, everything looks like a manipulable object. Now, second modern um, home-destroying force I've called escalation. We live in modern societies the way we ride a bicycle. You have to move forward. When you stop moving, you fall. And it's not just that we have to move at a speed that suits us and however we are able to. Whether you want it or not, you are in a race, which means that you have to move faster and faster. And yet, you always end up being behind. That's the logic of escalation. Now, it has two dimensions. One of them concerns time and the the other concerns space. Time, well, we never have time. One of the sociologists has described the predicament in which we find ourselves today, he said, in modern societies, people, though they are, live amidst the material and technological affluence, they are suffering from temporal insolvency. In other words, we always we are always behind. We are always running behind, that means that we are always running. Think of the meals that we sometimes, that we, how our meals sometimes look. We rush through a meal and while we are eating, we think about what we have left undone. We're checking what, what, what's happening around us and planning what's in the future. And those meals, like most of what we experience often, is like a speedy steps of a hamster in a wheel that is turning faster and faster. Hamster wheel can never be truly a home. And then there's a space escalation as well. When I was a student, we used to tell a joke about our president. His name was President Kuzmich. And the question was, what's the difference between President Kuzmich and God? God is everywhere, and President Kuzmich is everywhere except here. Uh, Students today cannot tell that joke, right? Without that joke, also the butt of that joke being turned against them. Because with a smartphone in their hand, they too are everywhere except here. Presence and time is what we need to live at home. And yet the logic of escalation tells us that we never have them. And what that means is who you are and what you do is not good enough. Where you are and what you have is not good enough. So we have our answers to our big question answer to our big question. Why did God create the world? So that the world would be home of God and humans together. We have these. Four forces that are undoing the sense of home. Our human and Christian calling is located right in the middle where there, these forces interact. Jesus Christ was a God come into the world in order to make it into God's planetary home. When he left He gave the church his spirit so that we would continue to participate in the mission of God in the world. We can't make world into God's home. We can't often make it into our own home. And yet, we can do something. We can develop home-like relationships with each other. We can try to repair the breaches where the forces of unhoming have undone our sense of home. We can also invite the presence of God into our lives so that we ourselves can be homes of God and participate in the homemaking activity of God. Why did God create the world? So that you and I can be sites of God's home. An agent of God's homemaking.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this brief talk. If you have suggestions for future brief talks or big ideas episodes on the TheoEd podcast, visit our website at TheoEd.com. That's dot com, to submit your suggestions.